DraftKings is not only my favorite sports book, but it's also America's top rated sports book. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. So listen to this great offer. DraftKings is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right, pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky and as always I am joined by Nick J. Horwat. We had a couple of really good throwback episodes for you last week talking about the kind of lost seasons of the Sidney Crosby Evgeny Malkin era. We hope you enjoyed that little trip down memory lane. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to episodes 57 and 58 as we talk about the 2010-11 and 2011-12 Pittsburgh Penguins seasons, respectively. But here we're going to move on and start talking about the present day. Talk about a player in today's episode that might be on the move from his current team and that might actually fit in with what the Pittsburgh Penguins are looking for. So we'll talk a little bit about, yes, Matthew Kachuk, who, quote, might want out of Calgary. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then, of course, the Stanley Cup starts later today, so we will talk about the Stanley Cup Finals, preview that, what we think is going to happen, what we've seen so far in the playoffs since we last talked about it, and then we'll finish off the episode with our Pens poll. But Horwat, before we get into any of that, I just want to know, it's been about 10 to 12 days since we've recorded. What have you thought about the hockey the past couple of weeks that we've been watching the Stanley Cup? I mean, the semifinals have come and went since we last talked. What have you thought about all of this stuff that has happened at least in play for the for the the league i should say yeah uh it's been entertaining it's been interesting and montreal has really surprised everyone i think does that does that make the north division look better or worse i think there's a lot of questions that uh really need to be answered with a lot of teams in the north division considering um this isn't i mean if you look down some of the numbers from montreal it a lot of it is Carey Price, these wins, and them going to the finals. I mean, there's their offensive numbers are they're not Monter, they're not Tampa Bay's, to say the least. Correct. It's a lot of goaltending, it's a lot of defense, and then there's Cole Caulfield. Yeah, he is he is something, <laughs> isn't he? I mean what 
What a 2021 he has had from World Juniors to College Hockey and the Hobie Baker Award to making his NHL debut, and now he's on a run for, for an opportunity at the Stanley Cup in his not, not even rookie season. He's kind of got that Jake Gensel effect yeah. going where he'd still be a rookie next year. Yeah, it's incredible run for him. Uh, and then there's the Islanders who decided to go all the way to the um, game seven. Yeah, game seven of the Eastern Conference Final, Eastern Conference Final of the Stanley Cup semifinal. I guess I should say. Uh, you know the the Coliseum is closed. I think everyone's ex- outside of Long Island is happy about that. Uh, <laughs> it, and then we got to really. Before we even get into it, I just want to ask you, what are your thoughts on the whole throwing of beer cans thing and then may as well add on to it the whole Tampa Bay's throwing of the noisemakers thing? Because there was a lot of conversation about the Long Island crowd doing that in the first place. Yeah, something tells me that the noisemaker thing was in retaliation in some sort. That's what I thought too. But also at the same time, that's a difference between a Game 7 victory to send your team to the Stanley Cup Final and a Game 6 victory, which, yes, no, trust me, I get excited. But you're throwing empty beer cans at it, you know, that's – I'm hoping they were empty at least. But you're throwing beer cans at it, I don't know, it to me, I just – I didn't mind it. I really didn't care because you're going to do what you're going to do. You're hockey fans. You're excited. I don't blame anybody for being overly excited in that situation. I know I would be if the Penguins did that. I wouldn't throw anything on the ice. But, hey, to each of their own. And, and New York fans were excited. And they got a little away from them. And they had a bunch of beer cans on the ice. I mean, nobody got hurt. So, I guess it doesn't it doesn't really make a difference. It doesn't make a difference. I just had to ask because it was a big point of contention. I'm trying to remember any other. Yeah, I know some people probably use that opportunity to call you know Islanders fans trash fans or whatever, but it's well, not. It's not a. It's not a deal. It doesn't matter. It, it, it. Nobody got hurt. Look at the cans that were on the ice. What do you expect from people who drink Bud Light? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start there. It's. It's. I don't know. I, and it's a. I will say it is a sad image that that's your lasting image of the arena now. It's Let's, not. I mean, it's the last it's, it's one. the last, last thing you thing. saw it's, but it's just i don't know i think i'm indifferent about it i mean when when your team wins or loses you're throwing shit either way i mean let's be honest you know pittsburgh fans have thrown things before except oh, yeah. more or less it was a lot of towels towels um, uh sock monkeys but that was for a hat trick the hat trick's different <laughs> i can remember it's mostly towels whenever we win um if you're a fan of a canadian team you're probably throwing your jersey uh, but that's because they're, they've disappointed you again. Yeah. And if you're Nick Horwart, you're throwing Baja Blast Mountain Dew. Uh, it's back, baby. It is <laughs> very much back, and I'm loving it. Um, I don't have to just go to Taco Bell to get it this summer. Although, act like I don't go to Taco Bell all the time. Anyway, yeah, no, it's just, it was kind of appropriate watching trash people throw trash on the ice. There we go. I got it in. We can now move on. Uh, I knew that's where you were leading towards, but you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Let's talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Penguins. And realistically, let's talk about Matthew Kachuk because it came out last week, thanks to Sportsnet analyst Shane O'Brien, that Matt Kachuk may want out of the Calgary Flames organization and a trade might be on the horizon. I mean, the kid is only 23 years old. It seems like he's been in the league for, I mean, he has been in the league for about five years now. So he's been here for a while already and he's made an impact with the Calgary Flames, he's made a name for himself as kind of the second coming of Brad Marchand, but bigger. Uh, he's kind of taken on that rat moniker from you know for the Calgary Flames. He has one year left, $7 million on his contract. He scored 16 goals and 43 points 
playing the full season for Calgary last uh, this past season, including all those late games against the Vancouver Canucks. So Horvat, I mean, first thing I want to ask you is, do you think the Penguins should kick the tires on somebody like Matthew Kachuk if he indeed is on the market for Calgary? Uh, no, it's an easy, it's an, it's a harsh no for me because of, we're going to discuss it. I'm saying no, because of what it would take to get him, mm-hmm. And it's, it, it would be, you would lose a piece that you don't want to lose. At least I think, uh, so it's just not worth it. it. There's no point in kicking that around. Um, yeah, it's $7 million. It, we, we're going to be a cap team against pretty soon. Yeah, we've got a couple signings we need to make, and we're gonna be a gonna be a cap team again. Just bringing on a, a contract like that, even if for a year, it's not ideal. And because not only is it for a year, it's a year, and then he's an RFA. You have to do something with it again. Yeah, it's just too much of a pain in the ass. And like we will discuss, uh, I don't want to give up what I think we would have to give up for him. Mm. Yeah, we'll talk about what the possible package would be if the Pittsburgh Penguins were to make that move. But when I look at Matthew Kachuk, I look at basically the epitome of what the Pittsburgh Penguins were missing last year. At least what a lot of people are saying the Pittsburgh Penguins were missing, which was a forward that was chippy, a forward that was big, a forward that could move bodies, that could actually lay lay, lay body checks at a very continuous pace the penguins were not a weak team by any stretch of the word and i know there are people that are tossing that around but the pittsburgh penguins do need a little bit more of a physical presence i think that's what was missing on the first line for the penguins and not to take anything away from gensel crosby and rust who were an absolutely phenomenal first line especially throughout the regular season but it seems like they were missing that patrick hornfist sandpaper finish kind of thing and matthew kachuk has that in spades And we'll talk about, like I said, we'll talk about what it would take to get him here, but he's 23 years old. The kid is at the very early stages of his prime. He is a big name already in the league. Yeah, he has those, you know, rat-like tendencies and those fights with Zach Cassian and all those battles with the Edmonton Oilers, but isn't that what the Pittsburgh Penguins kind of need? I'm not going to go out there and pull a full Burkeism and say they need grit, they need strength, but... A guy with as much skill as Matthew Kachuk that also brings that to the table, it would be, to me, a really good fit for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, he's a three-time 20-goal scorer already in his career. His career high is 34 goals in the 2018-19 season. And then you look at his defensive and analytic numbers, and they're pretty good as well. They're not anything to write out. Like, they're not anything to just completely ogle over, but they're pretty good, especially if you look at his Corsi numbers, they're pretty good as well. So, I don't know. I think the mind is, if it comes to kicking the tires, we always talk about it on this show. You might as well ask, because what's it hurt to ask? Right. So, if you're Ron Hextall, Brian Burke, definitely ask. But whether or not to take a serious look at Matthew Kachuk, I disagree with you. I think that the Pittsburgh Penguins should, because when the season ended, and I kind of threw out a haphazard, you know, what did the Pittsburgh Penguins need, and... While they did control most of the series against the the Islanders, I said they needed somebody like, surprisingly, Anthony Mantha. That was the first name that came to my head because he's a big guy that plays a physical game, and he puts the puck in the back of the net. Matthew Kachuk, he he aces all three of those tests. So to see him in a Penguins uniform would be something that I would very much enjoy. So if I'm the Penguins, yeah, I kick the tires on Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, you know, I... 
think I said no just because, like I said, I don't like what we would have to give up. In reality, I mean, you could throw out any good player, like any name of a good player. Would you like him on your team? Yes, absolutely. Matthew Kachuk, would you like him on your team? Yes, I, I genuinely I would. But I just know with what we have, we're, we wouldn't. We would have to give up too much, I think. Or it's like again, would you want Connor McDavid on your team? Absolutely. We would have to give up a lot though, so let's not bother. That's what I'm. That's kind of my point of view. Is like, yes, I would actually, you know, actually enjoy having every good, everyone's good players, all of them. Send me all of them. I want four first lines on my team. If it meant I was getting Connor McDavid, I'd send Teddy Bluger out the door. <laughs> but clearly, like stuff like that just doesn't happen. Um, that's kind of my thought process with this. Like, yes, I would like him, but again, it would just be too much to give up, I believe. Um, but again, I also hear out what you're saying. It's, uh, it is a piece that we could have used and that finishing power and that, that grit and tenacity that he has. I mean, uh, what I forget who we had on. I was, it was an interview we were doing. Cause I asked the question of who is the most entertaining, not, I think that was the way I worded it. The most entertaining player to watch. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the highest scoring or favorite. It was the most entertaining. Mm. And I responded myself with Matthew Kachuk because he makes headlines every game and it's not for his scoring ability. It is because he is drawing the eyes of the people. Yeah, that sounds like a good player to have on your team when you can fit him in. When you look at Matthew Kachuk, too, a, a lot of the rumors were circling that he'd want to go to his hometown and play for the St. Louis Blues. A uh, potential Tarasenko-Kachuk trade has been, you know, thrown out and on social media. Probably no actual, you know, gen general rumors behind that, but it was thrown out there, and, you know, that would make sense. There's been nobody that has said that the Pittsburgh Penguins have looked at Matthew Kachuk, but they would also be silly not to. I mean, when you look at somebody like Dougie Hamilton and – you know, some rumors have come out that literally every team has called on Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, it makes sense. Huh. Dougie Hamilton is a great defenseman. You should at least call and see where his camp is at. And that thing, that's what I think, you know, the same thing is going to happen with Calgary Flames if Math Matthew Kachuk is on the move. Now, looking at Calgary, a team that has had Johnny Gaudreau, quote-unquote, on the move for a couple seasons now, are they going to trade Matthew Kachuk, who is better than Johnny Gaudreau, Probably not with a year left on his contract. Maybe midseason. And if he wants out, yeah, of course that escalates it and that makes it a little bit more of a driving thing for the offseason. But if I look at the Pittsburgh Penguins lineup and I look at maybe putting Matthew Kachuk on the left wing of Evgeny Malkin, that to me, listen, you had a really good team this year. It pains me watching these Stanley Cup playoffs because it looks like if the Penguins could have gotten past the Islanders and figured out their goaltending a little bit more, <laughs> they could have made a run. Yep. They had the team to do it. But if you add Matt Kachuk, that just makes it that much better, and, and it wouldn't be surprising then. You know, people were surprised with the Pittsburgh Penguins this season and the fact that they came in first place in the East Division. If you add somebody like Matthew Kachuk, and yes, we'll get to what you have to give away, but if you add somebody like Matt Kachuk, that's just... That's almost to a level of a Phil Kessel to me, of an addition. And I know I might get, you know, strung up and quartered or whatever it's called from medieval drawn times, but drawn and quartered, that's what it is. If I was drawn and quartered for that opinion, so what? But Matthew Kachuk, right now at the age of 23, that's why I give up more for him, because he's so much younger. If you can get assurances that he, can, he will sign another contract, 
then yeah, I I I throw a bunch of stuff out there. Let's get into that right now. Or what? What do you think? Because you're saying you say no because of what we'd have to give up. What do you think would have to be going the other way for Matt Kachuk to come to Pittsburgh? Um, I get well definitely a draft pick that we do not have. Oh, we have them. <sighs> yeah, after you got- this year. Okay, yeah, but it's. I'm assuming they'd want one from this year, especially to get it done now, because that Calgary is a team that needs to figure out what they're doing, and it seems like what they're doing is building for not this year because there's the Goudreau situation, Sean Monahan situation. I think their captain, uh, Mark Giordano, is done soon. I mean, he's like 37, but yeah, he so also won they, Norris last year, so you never really know. Right. But they got to they have to figure out what they're doing in the future. You know what? And honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, this draft sucks, or at least maybe doesn't suck. We don't know what the field is. I think every draft pick within the first three rounds is going to be vital because we're assuming those are the players that are good. But we really don't know who's going to stand out because we haven't been able to scout the same way. And there could be a diamond in the rough in the third or fourth round this year. There could be a couple really um but again we don't have a third or fourth round to give up this year and then there's we have three sevens so hey if you want one of those go ahead well i'll give up one of those i guess but my thought process is we're sending back along with a draft pick of sort we're probably sending them a jake gensel or a brian rust which we do not want to give up i get that maybe we could sell them off a letang again another guy you don't want to give up but he's older i'm assuming calgary also wouldn't want that because Mm -hmm. they already have one old defenseman who's leaving soon letang well yeah he's younger barely uh he's gonna need a new contract so good luck with that in the near future they're gonna want someone who's got some term who's young and jake gensel is exactly that yeah brian russ is about to enter the last year of his contract but it's a cheap deal I don't know. I just, I, my assumption is it's at least a Gensel, at least a draft pick and a prospect that dear God, we can't keep losing prospects. We can't. Yeah. You don't want to keep kicking the can down the road. And that's what we always talked about with Jim Rutherford. And right now this current draft upcoming is the last one that Rutherford has traded any picks away in going forward. It's just the picks that we traded for Jeff Carter that is taken out of next year's draft and the year and the year following but when I look at what I would be willing to trade, it'd be tough to give up a Ruster or a Gensel. I d- you do not give up Jake Gensel. Correct. Exactly. You don't. You just you don't trade Jake Gensel. Brian Rust, it's going to be hard to sign him after the season anyway. So I'm a little bit more lenient to letting somebody like Rust go if it means bringing back somebody like Matthew Kachuk, who is younger than Rust, who has pretty much the same pedigree, and he's going to cost the same amount of money. But he, again, you're trading for younger. But I still don't I don't know if I make that trade unless you have assurances that he's going to sign that extension. Now, here's, here's something else to look into. Kachuk is $7 million this year. Next year, even if it goes up a little bit, you have to imagine, and I would at least hope, that the numbers on Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin come down to give the Pittsburgh Penguins some relief. Uh, that's a good point. I would hope so too. Um, but you never know. Like that, that's, that's the thing that is very, so much hypothetical. I really don't even want to dive into it. No, but I'll say this real quick though. What's gonna, you know, what's going to really decide the Latang and Malkin's contracts next year is what Ovechkin does this year. 
That's very that's true. Gonna, that's going to play a big part in it. Whatever Ovechkin gets. I forget what he was making already. We'll have to. He was making about just about 10, I would imagine. I'm pretty sure he made a little over 10. I guess I could have looked at it. But no, yeah, whatever he was making, if it goes up where, wherever it goes, up or down, or stays the same, that's what's really going to, you know, that's going to be a huge part of how Evgeny Malkin and Latanger looked at that upcoming season. So keep that in mind, Penguins fans. Look at how Ovechkin does in this offseason. Yeah, but I feel like the Penguins can still argue with the fact that Alex Ovechkin's literally going for one of the greatest records of all time. He's still in the hunt for that. Meanwhile, I mean, Malkin and Latang are here to win a cup, not to break Wayne Gretzky's record. But here's the thing as, as well, though. You can think about it as, well, if he's trying to do that, he should take less money because he is A, older, and B, they can bring in a playmaker to play with him to feed him the puck every chance they can. Yeah. Now we're really, now we should just be on the Cavs podcast. Like, yeah. Now we're <laughs> yeah. really having discussions of how to make their team better. Troll and Pauly, if you, if you need a hand, we'll come over <laughs> and uh, talk about this subject. But no, as far as the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I didn't even give my hypothetical trade, so I hypothetically wouldn't give up Brian Rust. I would find a way to be able to keep Rust and yep. Gensel, not have to get rid of either of them. I'm not sure Calgary would take this trade, but I would throw them a first rounder and a fourth rounder in the 2022 draft, which is next year's draft. I would also throw them Nathan Legere and Marcus Pedersen. Pedersen makes sense. Pedersen helps with the cap relief a little bit. He is a NHL-ready defenseman for the Calgary Flames, who, yes, they're a pretty decent defensive team, but they could use somebody that's a little bit more stout in his own zone, especially if they end up losing Hamannick. And especially if Mark Giordano ends up, you know, calling it quits or taking a big regression because he is a little bit older. And then Legere is a really good young player, which I'm excited for for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I hope he comes up and plays with the Penguins. But if you have the chance to get Matt Kachuk and you yeah, have like Sam Poulin, maybe you throw Nathan Legere out there as a possible you know, return piece for the Calgary Flames. I don't know if they would take that, but that's what I'm saying is Legere, a first, a fourth, and Marcus Pedersen. Yeah, I like that one as well. And I'm looking down the Flames' defensive core. I mean, Mark Giordano has one year left. Noah Hannafin's making 4.95, so basically five with three left. And that's a little just a – here, here's basically what Pedersen is making, which is Rasmus Anderson at 4.55, four, five years. Oh, yeah, they just signed him that deal. Yeah, so Pedersen's like one or two fewer than that. That's basically what their deal is. And there's Chris Tanev, who's at four or five for another three. Um, where'd Travis Hamannick go? He didn't play this year, did he? I I don't remember. He oh no, he opted out of the playoffs last year. Ah, that's that's what I'm thinking of. of. But yeah, so that that's what I would throw out there. Again, I'm not sure they would take it. Also, a shout out to Richard Blosser who sent us a potential trade for Matt Kachuk. He said the Penguins should send. Uh, Brian Rust, Sam Poulin, and an additional detail. Calgary has a choice of Clang or Blomqvist. I don't like that. Ooh, mainly no. because the Penguins are... Listen, with the, the issues we've had with goaltender this year and, and seeing that kind of Tristan Jari is up in the air, whether or not it's going to end up well or not, and looking at what we have behind him, I definitely don't get rid of Clang. I don't give anybody the option to take Clang. And Blomqvist is, is an insurance factor. Callie Clang right now is the better of the two. But Blomqvist is an insurance factor, and we've seen that you need insurance factors. Hence, we went from Flurry to Murray, Murray to Jari in very quick succession. So, yeah. especially in the goaltending field, you need those 
extra guys in the pipeline and losing Larmy already in the offseason, I don't give away any of our any of our goaltenders. Yeah, you don't. Uh, it's that's no our our goaltending pipeline is thin. You don't lose your two bulk spots that could be. Who knows? We could have. Who knows? Our goaltending duo in a few years could be those two. Yeah. I I, I mean, who knows? That's future goaltending voodoo that we don't understand. But no, you're not giving one of those up. Who who did he say? Rust? Oh, he said Poulin. Which, he uh, said Rust, Poulin, and either Clang or Blomqvist, whichever one Calgary wants. Also, that's not how a trade works, I think. I mean, that'd be a fun way of working. Hey, pick one. I mean, I'm sure it does. Yeah. We don't, we'd never see it, but I'm sure but, it does. It's like, listen, we want this guy enough. Which one of these guys would you like? I enjoy that. Uh, but anyway, Poulin and Rust. Also, yeah, Rust has a year left, and he's kind of a... He's going to price himself out if he has another good season. Yeah. But still, you I, let's let's have him have that good season here because he's just an RFA anymore. I don't know. Yeah. He's a guy you want to try and keep around on this team, mm-hmm. especially if he's able to play with Crosby. That's a big deal here. Yeah, that that is a huge factor in all of this. But and then there's Poulin, who again, God, I don't want to keep getting rid of our top prospects. Yeah, he's our only real top draft prospect pick from the last what five years. That we've actually uh, had. Our last two are Poulin and Kapanen, who Kapanen we traded away. And then got back, but still. And got back. So let's not trade Poulin away only to bring him back. Yeah, let, let's actually let him progress in our system and mm-hmm. have a prospect for once. But this is all very hypothetical. Of course, Matthew Kachuk might not even leave the Calgary Flames, but there is rumors that he does want out. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup because the finals start tonight. It's a very good series. We'll talk about that after a quick break. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN on DraftKings Sportsbook to get great opportunities and great cash prizes. Let's talk about the Stanley Cup Finals because they start tonight. I'm very excited. I've enjoyed watching the postseason this year a little bit. Less anxiety-driven since the Pittsburgh Penguins have been eliminated, but it has been a really good postseason for the NHL. A lot of storylines, a lot of Cinderella stories, a lot of heartbreak for other teams. Let's talk about it. The Pittsburgh Penguins lost to the New York Islanders, but then the Islanders went on to beat the Boston Bruins, only to come short against the Tampa Bay Lightning, one to nothing in Game 7. The Lightning defeated the New York Islanders, Four games to three to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals. Meanwhile, on the other half of it, the Montreal Canadiens shocked the world by defeating the Vegas Golden Knights in six games to go to the Stanley Cup. This is the first time the Habs have been in the Stanley Cup Finals since 1993, which coincidentally is the last time a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup. And really, the first time that any Canadian team has been in the Finals since 2011 with Vancouver. So as long as no city gets burned down, we're already improving since the last time a Canadian team has been there, but it's Montreal, Tampa Bay, a good old Atlantic division matchup. <laughs> what do we see going on here? Horwat? Um, 
Well, for one, <clears throat> it's it's uh, it's Tampa Bay being the holy shitting Tampa Bay Lightning again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay. Cap circumvention talk over already. It's a legal move what they did. It sucks and it's kind of dumb and the salary cap should kind of still be in effect in the playoffs. Really? Let's be honest. That's why we have it, isn't it? Yep. Rant over. I don't care. They, they're they doing a legal thing and they're winning with it. In other words, more teams need to do this. Let's put it that way. Leave it at that. And then there is, you know, David going against Goliath in the Montreal Canadiens who, I mean... Oh, 18th team in the league. Guess what? They beat the Penguins last year handily. Almost, kind of. They gave the Flyers a run for their money, and the Flyers were a good team last year. Mm-hmm. And then there's this year, who they they made Toronto look small. They, they made Winnipeg look really small. And then there was the Knights, who... The Knights may have just been fighting their own demons rather than trying to actually play the Canadians. Uh, Montreal just kind of handled their way into the Stanley Cup Finals, and good for them. For once, I'm watching a final and not really caring who wins. I'm kind of over the whole Penguins being the only team to win back-to-back in the last in however many years. I'm over that because Tampa Bay is just so good. <laughs> and let's be real, they've deserved more than one cup over their, over Stamkos' career. Yeah. So, um, as for how this series goes... What do you think? How do you think this series goes? It's going to be a battle of whether or not the Montreal Canadiens can do to the top two lines of Tampa Bay what they did to the top two lines of the Vegas Golden Knights. Montreal completely shut down the big guns for the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, with that being said, no offense to any of Vegas' star players, but Tampa Bay is another level. You look at Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, those guys, Steven Stamkos, that team forward-wise is deeper than any team in the NHL, which is why they won the Stanley Cup last year, which is why they're playing for the Stanley Cup again this year. So it's going to come down to that. Can Montreal continue to do what they've been doing for the past three series against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who is just going to pose a complete and utter challenge beyond challenges for the forward lines of the Montreal Canadiens? I mean, if you look at that New York Islanders series, the Islanders did it to a certain extent, But you can only hold the dam for so long. You saw what happened in Game 5 of the Tampa series against the Islanders. 8 to nothing because you can only hold them back for so long. So if you can do that and kind of condense that complete and other blowout and just release of all that offensive scoring into one game or two games, you might be able to take three or four other games where you can slow them down enough where your team can go out there and put the goals up necessary. But as you mentioned, Montreal has not also scored all that much this postseason. And and they've had trouble scoring. They had some trouble scoring against the Vegas Golden Knights. And Tampa Bay, while they are a very high-flying offense team, they also boast the league's best goaltender. And I'm not putting any caveat on that. The league's best goaltender and some of the league's best defensemen. So can you beat that while also shutting down the Tampa Bay Lightning? That's a tough task. And there's a reason that the Tampa Bay Lightning are threatening to be only the second team to win back-to-back cups in the salary cap era. Of course, as Horat mentioned, the Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Penguins are the only other cap era team to go back-to-back in 2016 and 17. But I think this series 
listen, I took the Canadians lightly going into that Vegas series. I thought it was going to be five. I thought I was being kind by saying it was going to be over in six. I don't know if the Lightning are going to be able to beat Carey Price. The Carey Price that I saw against Vegas, I I don't know. And especially with the team that he has in front of him. I mean, this is, this is the storyline, right? Carey Price finally has a team in front of him. And this is what happens. So I don't know what happens. Yeah. It, I also just want a quick note. I like how you mentioned that it would be the second time in the salary cap era that mm-hmm. a team won. Oh, they're not they're not in the salary cap. They period. listen. <laughs> many, how, we we got to say for the what fifth time on this this episode already. Last it's five legal. It's it, legal. It is, but it's just really funny to get uh, Tampa twelve Bay over. Fans. Yeah, twelve million over. <laughs> it's really funny to get Tampa Bay fans worked up over it though. It's. It's, yeah, it's the salary cap era. Well, they're not in the salary cap; they don't count. So the Penguins, in hindsight, might still have that. Might still have that. Uh, yeah, you distinction. can do what a lot of people in hockey do and just say, "Oh, we can put an asterisk there." I say, yeah, because you can also put one on last year whenever it was a different playoff format. Yeah, actually, and so was this year's. Oh, you know what? Screw it. The Tampa Bay Lightning have two cups with two asterisks. They don't have any. It doesn't count. Anyway, no. It, if Tampa Bay wins, it's fully deserving. It was fully deserving last year. We said that all through the playoffs last mm-hmm. year, too. Um, yeah, if Tampa Bay wins it this year, they're fully deserving of it. Also because they would be beating, like you said, Carey Price, who has shut who shut down um, a force in the Vegas Golden Knights. And now it's, yeah, the, the Tampa, Tampa Bay is a different animal. But... Um, I think it's possible. Again, they're a, the Canadians are a uh, they're an Islanders-like team. They'll shut you down. They'll slow you down. They will make you play their game. And it's just a matter of if the Lightning can be quicker than that. I think I always put teams that have more, a little more speed and a little more finesse and skill over a team like the Canadians and the Islanders. But... We've seen how the Islanders handled... We saw how the Islanders handled the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And now we see how the Canadians are handling everything. And obviously, that's winning games this year somehow. Mm-hmm. So, we'll have to wait and see. I'm excited to watch for once. And like I said, for once, I don't really care who wins. You know, It's going to be enjoyable just to sit back and watch hockey. Yeah. You look at the Montreal Canadiens' path to the finals. Tamp- they play Toronto. Very high-scoring team. They played Winnipeg. Very high-scoring team when you look at some of the players on their team as well. Then you look at Vegas. You know, Maybe not as generically high-scoring, but they're a team that puts in a lot of goals, and they're a team that beat the Colorado Avalanche, so let, let's give them a little bit more credit there. All right, now you're taking on the big boss. This is probably one of the teams that scores the easiest in the NHL. I will say that. They can have any of their four lines go out and score that easily. So it's going to be the biggest test the Canadians have faced, and that's the way it's supposed to be because it's the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. My official pick, I think the Canadians do it in seven. Ooh. ooh. I'm probably going to be clipped several times and called an idiot if they don't, but I think the Habs take it in seven. I think we're in for a upset because that's exactly what it would be. It would be an upset upon upsets. Oh, yeah. 
to see the Habs, especially after all the crap that everyone talked, including me, about the North Division this year, if the Canadians would go out and win. But I have the Habs in seven. Uh, I do enjoy that. I like the idea of that. I'm just trying to really um, put some thought into this because it's it's a difficult series to really predict because it's A, the finals, B, two teams that, sure, the, the Lightning, you know, are a phenomenal team. The way they entered the playoffs, not in first, though. Like, they've, they've played every series as if they were the top team in that division. It's disturbing that they weren't first in the division going into the playoffs. So, yeah, you'd have to give them their due. So, uh, I do see it going long, too, because Carey Price will steal a couple. There's no way he doesn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, Braden Point can damn near score at will. Who knows what the hell is up with Kucherov? I guess he's okay if he returned I mean, in Game 7. Yeah, that's going to be a storyline, but going into this series, Kucherov would be the leader for Conn Smythe voting for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, and then there's Stamkos, who was healthy this time. Yeah, that's always, that's he'll play always, more than a shift. That's always enjoyable. So, um, it'll be hard. I think Tampa in 6, though. Tampa in 6? Yeah, Tampa in 6 through gritted teeth, but... That'll be the prediction because hey, I got to get one right at some point, and if not, damn it, I jinxed. Uh, you're welcome, Canada. <laughs> and Montreal's cool. All of Quebec is burning to the ground, uh, considering they're already rioting. Well, game one starts tonight, so we'll see how our predictions stack up in game one. I think it's going to be a fun series. I'm excited to watch it. And as you mentioned on Twitter, it's two baby faces going at it. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some people that aren't happy. I know Toronto fans probably are completely irritated at watching the Canadians and then also division rival Tampa Bay go at it at the same time for the Stanley Cup, but it is two baby faces. So for me and for you, it's just fun to watch hockey and hopefully it's a great series. We both predict it to go long and I expect that it will. Yeah, and if anyone's having a heel turn, it's probably the Canadians, right? It's definitely the Canadians because they have Corey Perry. Ah, yes. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have our weekly pens poll. Do you want a true champion's perspective? Well, come on over to the Bulls broadcast, where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. I was up. Anthony. Anthony Nunschwander. It's any UEN. It's Neuenschwander. Anthony Neuenschwander. Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know. I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. You took it for two years? Oh, no. Jay don't yeah. take it that long. I, I took it for two years and was like asleep in all of German too. Oh, you you, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take yeah. it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was like me and I don't know five other people, and all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us while she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible <laughs> class. No. <laughs> We were in terrible, terrible class. A couple people were terrible people. Uh, not going to mention names. Not going to call it anybody in this pod. It was Chase Crawshaw. It was 100% <laughs> not me. 
Oh boy, I know a couple of those names, but uh, yeah, it's a good point, Chase. We won't mention those here. New episodes every Monday, only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're finishing our week's show, at least this Monday show, with our weekly pens poll. And the question for this week was, which third line center played the biggest part in their team's success? Nick Bonino won by a very small margin. He took 52% of the vote. Jordan Stahl took 45% of the vote. And John Cullen, just because I felt like throwing John Cullen in there, he got 3% of the vote. So he got, I think, one or two votes. But Bonino and Stahl really ran away with this poll. Bonino, of course, taking the slight majority victory. Horwat, what did you think of this poll? Uh, yeah, the Bonino answer makes total sense because he had the meme. He's got an extra cup on Stahl. And, I mean, the man came in, played two years, won two cups, and got out. Yeah. That's batting a thousand if I've ever seen it. So, uh, and I see, and I understand that one. I think I probably would have gone with him too because Stahl, yeah, came in, played phenomenally, had his, won his cup in 2009. And then, then there was me being a young kid who just wanted to see a lot of offense. Jordan Stahl really didn't fit that mold, so I stopped being a Jordan Stahl fan pretty quickly. Uh, not that I didn't like him, but I just always knew there was better options, I felt like. And we ended up seeing one of Nick Benino. Uh, but, again, the Penguins and their tall third-line centerman. <laughs> Tale as old as time. How tall is John Cullen? John Cullen, I'm not exactly sure how, how tall he is. But I, I did throw him in there, even though he never won a Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He did but play on the 90-91 team, but look at what he did. Yeah, he, he's... Scored 31 goals that year, 94 points in the 1990-91 season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then he was traded, as you mentioned, to the Hartford Whalers, in part for Ron Francis and Ulf Samuelson. So that was pretty big part to play in the Pittsburgh Penguins' success when they brought in Ulf and Francis. So it doesn't compare to Benino and Stahl, who were here and were major components of the actual cup victories. And to me... When you look at regular season, Jordan Stahl probably edges out Nick Benino when it comes to regular season success. When you look at postseason, it's the other way around. I think Benino over Stahl, mainly because, like you said, two seasons. And also, while Stahl and that third line were huge in the 2009 Cup run, Nick Benino and the HBK line in 2016 were massive. Nick Benino in 2017 was massive until he left with that broken foot in the Cup Finals. So... Definitely, I would go with Nick Benino mainly because postseason is is what brings the memories, and postseason is what makes the money. If you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, yeah, it's going to it, it's quite fun watching replays of those two for sure as well. I mean, <laughs> watching Nick Benino um, tear up the Washington Capitals, him Kessel and Hagelin, just watching that series on replay is awesome. So. I mean, he also, they both provided moments Penguin fans will never forget. Benino's moments were just bigger, you know? And I think they were more prevalent because the Pittsburgh Penguins at that point were not the young upstart team that we don't know if they can do it. They were the team that, hey, we've been expecting them to do this for a long time. And it's a finally a return to that where I think Stalzy and the 2009 team brought fans to the Pittsburgh Penguins, as yeah. any cup would. But I feel like a lot of those fans were then still fans for 16, 17, and they had gone through that heart heartache of not winning. 
and then Benino was able to bring that back to them. So it, it was, again, a 7% margin, but Nick Benino takes it there. And I honestly, I think Nick Benino did play a little bit of a bigger part in the team's success when it came to postseason play than Jordan Stahl did. But regular season, Jordan Stahl was great for the Penguins. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Also, I can confirm John Cullen, 5'10". So not a tall centerman. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I think Lemieux was taking up all of the height those years, so... Yeah, Lemieux and Francis was a pretty pretty big guy, I think, if I remember correctly. But oh, Ron, Ron Francis would be a big guy taking someone in the expansion draft soon enough. Yeah, we will get to that in a couple of episodes. 6'3", yes, very big. Yeah. <clears throat> the expansion draft is less than a month away, so we will definitely get our mock expansion draft 3.0 out to you guys in a couple of weeks here. But that's going to do it for today's episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Horwat, anything else that you want to say to the folks before we send them home for the first time this week? Yes, if you're curious about the expansion draft, I just had a story go up. This is coming out on Monday. Yesterday, uh, talking about three specific people that... Excuse me, this Baja Blast is destroying my voice. (laughs) Um, Three specific players that the Penguins should protect and uh, at least three that they should leave open that might surprise you. My list is at the end of that story, so read the entire thing. You clowns. Thank you for listening, as always. (laughs) That's going to do it for today's episode. We will see you guys on Thursday for episode 60 of season two. But that's going to do it for today. Have a good week, Pens fans, and enjoy game one of the Stanley Cup final. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from so please subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts we are brought to you by the hockey podcast network you can visit them on twitter at hockeypodnet or at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com every team everywhere